Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. The playing tournament. So that did start last night in the East. But if we're going to be real about it, and we're going to be honest about it, it honestly gets underway tonight. And that's not a West Coast bias thing or a West Coast is the best coast thing. That's just a fact thing. Because the NBA got exactly what they wanted with that playing tournament. In fact, they got something even better than what they could have ever wanted. They got the Lakers and the Warriors getting it on tonight. So what's better than that? Ask anybody not named LeBron and you'll get the answer. You got two of the biggest teams, not just in basketball, but in all of sports. The two teams that have won four of the last six titles, two of the best fan bases, and they can't stand each other. But then again, you know that's not the case. We don't give a damn about them. And I love Golden State. This is such an enormous Golden State house. You know that. But I'm talking about NoCal, SoCal. NoCal hates our guts. SoCal doesn't really care. But that aside for a minute, it's not just that. The thing that we do have is LeBron and Steph. Steph and LeBron. Two of the best to ever play the game, and the league somehow locks into these guys playing the 7-8 game tonight at Staples. Two stars who have faced each other in four straight finals are back at it again, this time in a playing tournament. It's incredible, right? The NBA literally could not have scripted that any better if they tried. Like, it's completely insane that after one of the most bizarre in chaotic seasons ever, that the league somehow ends up with LeBron and Steph in a one-game showdown. The team that you do not want to see in a seven-game series versus the team that you do not want to see in a one-game battle. A healthy Lakers team can grind you down. They'll beat you up, and they'll beat you down, and they'll dominate you in a long series. However, Steph Curry can shoot you the hell out of the building in 48. In the gold corner, you've got the L.A. Lakers, the defending champs, winners of five straight, the scariest team in the association when they're right and they're healthy, but they're still dinged. And that is a team that still nobody wants to see, the team that other teams work so hard to try to avoid. Again, respectfully, no names mentioned, the Clippers. The Clippers went out of their way to lose back-to-back games Not only to lose back-to-back games, but back-to-back games to Houston and OKC in order to avoid being in the Lakers' half of the bracket. That's how intimidated and how scared that the Clippers were. Never mind that if the Lakers do lose tonight, they still end up in the Clippers' half of the bracket nonetheless. Then, in the blue corner, you've got Golden State, the three-time champs. Winners of six in a row, eight of their last nine. Everybody gave up on them on draft night last year because that was the day that Clay Thompson tore his Achilles on his way back from a knee injury. That was the night that some dopes decided that Steph and Draymond just were not enough. That Steph was going to get exposed this season because he didn't get the help, wouldn't get the help and support that he needed from Clay and KD. And so what happened? My man goes supernova. He averages 32 per game. He wins the scoring title at age 33. This guy's averaging 37 a night in the month of May. I mean, what's up, Steph Curry? Hey, Jim Rome. Hey, Steph Curry. Hey, Jim Rome. Hey, Steph. 
Hey, Jim Rome. What's up, Steph Curry? State Warriors. In case you forgot, I wanted to remind you of what the NBA is. Man's game? A man's game. Hell yeah. Steph, even though this dude has seemingly already done everything there is to do in this game, every time he steps on the floor now, there's still a good chance you're going to see something that you have never seen before. And the Lakers know this. As Kyle Kuzma said, quote, we have appropriate fear. End quote. And they should. I'm not saying Golden State's a one-man team. I'm saying one man can actually win one game. And that one man is Steph Curry. Because if he gets cooking, look the hell out. Again, just because the Lakers did a good job on him during the regular season, just because Steph didn't get 30 on them during the regular season does not mean that he can't or won't get 50 tonight because he can and he might. All right, so you got Steph in that corner. What about LeBron? Dude, he sounds fired up. He sounds ready. Hey, Bron, how you feeling? When asked how his ankle was prior to this playing game, LeBron said this. How healthy is he? How is that ankle? The team says he's good, but we'll find out tonight. We'll find out legitimately tonight, just as we're going to find out how much Andre Drummond can do in this matchup. He's been averaging a double-double since joining the Lakers, but can he and Anthony Davis dominate in this game, or is Draymond going to start doing Draymond-type things and play them off the floor? Because you know Draymond is ready. Draymond told you all what he thinks about teams that try to run size at him. You've been talking about, oh, you guys are so small, and Valanciunas was going to take advantage of his size, which he did a good job. But are you guys almost enjoying... I'm a dog. (laughs) Straight like that. I don't know how else to tell you. People have been going at me for for years with centers. They've been going at Loom for years. That ain't worked yet. We dogs, so keep trying it. Hey, Draymond, that is the perfect way to end the interview. I mean, again, I can't tell you how much I love that. Like, no matter what you were going to bring at this guy, I think that he had that answer locked and loaded. Any criticism, any question, anything at all. Just, I'm a straight, mother-bleeping dog. Are you guys almost enjoying... I'm a dog. <laughs> straight like that. I don't know how else straight to tell like you. People that. have been going at me for, for years with centers. They've been going at Loom for years. That ain't worked yet. We dogs. So. I love that so much. And I know a lot of you hate that guy so much. I love that so much. I'm a straight, mother-bleeping dog. This guy couldn't even get the question out before that answer came out. It's straight like that. I don't know what else to say to you guys. They've been bringing that bleep around here for years. It doesn't work. I'm a straight, mother-bleeping dog. I hear you, man. Let's be clear, though. As much as the Lakers are going to try to win this as a team, and they should... Tonight is about Steph v. LeBron. It's about a rivalry that had been salty for years, but there's more and more respect of late. But don't get it twisted. Even though it's not a case of winner go home, you don't want to lose this game because the winner goes directly into the playoffs. The loser has to then play another game just to get into the playoffs. So the matchup that nobody saw coming is finally here. LeBron wanted guys fired over it. My man. Embrace the suck because to everybody else not named you, the suck is actually awesome. Whoever came up with that need to be fired, but whatever.
I love that too. I don't like that as much as LeBron or I should say Draymond's quote, but I do like LeBron saying, man, whoever came up with that should be fired, man. But whatever. Whoever came up with that need to be fired. Now, not only whatever. whoever came up with that bleep should be fired, but whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I crack open this mic every single morning and I feel like every single morning I'm telling athletes, teams, front offices, the XR4TI, you clones, myself, I'm telling everybody, man, be better. Be better. In this case, I'm not sure that the association can. Not in this case. Be like Roger Goodell in the NFL told Brady and Mahomes to play in a playing game before the playoffs started. <laughs> Funny, right, Tom? <laughs> It's Small Business Month, and Dell Technologies and Windows are celebrating your unstoppable drive. Save up to 45% on powerful PCs with Windows 10 Pro to work from anywhere and top monitors and docks for the ultimate business setup, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Speak to a Dell Technologies advisor who can help you find the right business tech, server, storage, and cloud solutions at 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL for Small Business Month savings. My guest is Bob Myers. Bob, what's going on? Great to have you back. How are you, Bob? I'm good, man. Down here, down here in LA, getting ready for the game. Although I don't, I don't really do anything in <laughs> games, Jim. I'm, I just watch them like you. So it's, uh, but it should be a fun game tonight. Should be an amazing game tonight, Bob. I really appreciate you as always, and especially before a game like that. So we're in the playing tournament. Normally, you would already be in. Of course, you know the deal. You've got to win another game to get in. As a format overall, what do you make of the playing tournament? It's probably more important what you know what your listeners make of the tournament than what I do. I mean, we're we're part of the whole package of the NBA. I mean, we we would be in in a normal year, I guess I should say. So I guess it doesn't. Not, it, it's great for the league, but um, but you know normally we'd be in. But I like it. I, I do think it it provides a level of excitement. It it adds to more meaningful games uh, towards the end of the season. There's a lot more jockeying for position. There's people trying to avoid these games. So. If the goal is, which I think it should be, to add more meaning to the end of the regular season and provide kind of the win-or-go-home NBA version uh, that we get out of the NCAA tournament, and the reason why we like that so much, I think, is so much is on the line. This is the NBA's kind of mini-little kind of win-or-go-home situation. So I, I like it. I think the fans like it. I mean, you might know more than I do about that. Um, but it, le- it adds a level of intrigue, and especially if you get kind of good matchups like we have tonight. No, I appreciate that response, Bob. In fact, I appreciate it so much because you did not say, hey, listen, whoever came up with that idea should be fired like LeBron. But, Bob, I understand. Like, if you're the defending champs and you have to play your way into something that you've always already been in, I get it. But to answer your question, yes, the fans like it. Most of the fans do like it. Now, you and I have talked in the past about how special this run over the last number of years has been. When you consider the obstacles and the challenges of this season, just how special has it been for you to watch Steph Curry and what he's done this year? It's been pretty pretty unique. Uh, he's um, I know the people listening know who he is and watched him plenty, but to, the difference that I get to the, the thing I the gift I get I should say is to watch him every day and to kind of know him, and that's 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 unique in life to come across somebody that talented. And you know this, Jim. A lot of people that are hyper talented are kind of different. I mean, it, not in a good way. Um, so he. Gosh, the guy checks so many boxes, humility, leadership, um, team guy, family guy, guy that gives back to the community, guy that's socially conscious. So he's just, um, I'm lucky, man. I, I, if I could spend 
my whole career, a big chunk of it, alongside that guy. I mean, what, what else do you? What else can you ask for? And he's been tremendous. It's amazing to me how how quickly people kind of wrote him off after last year, and they they keep writing him off. But I know he's he's a prideful guy, like like a lot of people with his level of ability and accomplishments. And um, what he's done is is pretty remarkable. Um, but he puts the time in. You know, if you if you were around our team. And you watched, even when we had you know, Clay, Steph, even when we had Kevin, this guy's put the time in. You know, if there's young people that look at this guy and Steph, and sometimes it does look like he's just throwing the ball up in the air and it's going in. He puts the time in, and um, I wish people knew more about that. Um, I know that because I see it, but uh, his, his, uh, he's, he's reaping the benefits of a lot of hard work. Bob Myers joining us. You know, Bob, I would say, and I really appreciate that answer, I would say the thing that impresses me most about Steph, I mean, we know how dominant he is. We know that nobody can shoot the ball like Steph. But it's that thing that you mentioned at the very end, and I'm not around it. I don't see it day to day, but I'm blown away by this guy, and he doesn't get nearly enough credit for this, by his grit by his toughness, by his grind, by his work ethic. People do not see the time that he puts in, but there's no way you come back from that injury and play the way he's playing at that age without some of his best running mates if you don't have all those intangible things, that amazing toughness and grit. Like, could you make the argument that as well as he's playing right now, that this might be his best year ever? It has to be. uh, It might be, um, which is remarkable, because I think as you age in any sport, your mind gets sharper. Your body does diminish, but... Sometimes uh, with what these guys are doing now to take care of their bodies um, through nutrition, through recovery work, got the best of the best, guys are playing older, um, longer, and more effective longer. And, and you're seeing some guys, obviously LeBron, you know, Tom Brady, you know, Chris Paul, there's some, a lot of guys that are aging very well, and, and Steph seems to be in that category. But, you know, for him, the grit, you're right. It's, you know what he has? that um, He's two things that I'm envious of, if I'm being honest, like, and I tell him this too. One, he loves what he does. You can see it. You know why people like him so much? Obviously, the shot making. He enjoys it. And I tell him, I say, I wish I could have as much fun doing what I do as you do doing what you do. And granted, he's playing a game. But look, it's not easy. People think Steph just runs out. The pressure he faces, the scrutiny he faces, uh, he hasn't had smooth sailing his entire life. He went to Davidson. He was a seventh pick. He had ankle injuries. Um, he, it hasn't been automatic for him, losing early. You know, we, he's faced pressure. He's faced scrutiny. He's had a lot of critics. The things he has, he's, he's got a joy for what he does, and he's got a very real self-confidence. It's very hard to make him feel insecure about his abilities. And the reason why is he puts the time in. So for anybody that puts the time in at what they do, they know that over time, if they've got talent and they've got the work ethic, the cream will rise to the top, and he, um, he's got this self-confidence that's very real. And you, you know a lot of professional athletes, Jim. There's a difference between arrogance and self-confidence. It's very hard to be just confident in life. Uh, not arrogant, just confident, real confidence. And he has that. Um, give, give, give his parents credit. You know, obviously give him credit. Give his, the people around him in his life. And I think that what, that's what makes him so unique and good, that he has those things and has those traits. Bob Myers joining us.
Yeah, right. Not fake confidence. And the guy is so comfortable in his own skin. And I think, yeah, he's got a lot of God-given talent, but he's put in the time. We know that preparation breeds confidence. I'm amazed. I am literally, Bob, so amazed at what he's done this year. I want to ask you about Draymond Green. Draymond Green had maybe my favorite Draymond Green quote ever when he said recently, in fact, Sunday, post-game quote, I'm a mother-bleeping dog. Straight like that. I don't know how else to tell you. People have been going at me for years with centers. They've been going at us for years. That bleep ain't worked yet. We're dogs, so keep trying. End of quote. I mean, Draymond's had a Another huge year, Bob, doing things that nobody's ever done from that position, including a career high, nine assists. What do you make of what you've seen from him this year? <laughs> you know, he's, um, I love the guy. I, I, I really do. And, and that means I love all of them because the people listening, I bet half of them hate him. And there's times I've hated him too. I mean, he, we have a relationship. If you, if you have a real relationship with somebody, there's times where they piss you off. Um, if you have a real relationship with somebody, but that's honest and that's authentic. And his, I'd say the same thing to him and he'd say the same thing to me, but I love the guy in the same breath um, because of his leadership, his, his, his commitment to winning. The guy wins. And I feel like in our game now, Jim, and maybe in sports, we celebrate the individual at such a high level in team sports where the goal is to win. And that's what I respect about Draymond is he wins. He's won his whole life, and he leads. And I promise you, if you're around this guy, whether you like him or not, let's, let's, let's talk to the people on the line that are listening that don't. You would respect his leadership. You would. I'm telling you, if you're in a fight with this guy, you want him on your side. I've seen it for, for 10 years. I've seen it since he stepped into the NBA. I've been right next to him. So um, sometimes he, 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 you know, he, he rubs people the wrong way. I get it. And, and even organizationally, you get frustrated sometimes. But what he said about himself, it's hard to deny um, some of the belief he has in himself. He proves it. And he's won. The guy's won three championships. That's not – you don't just – that is so hard to do. It's not easy to win championships in any sport. It's, it's rigorous. It's hard. It's up and down. It's pressure, high-level, high-leverage situations. He produces. I mean, you look at the, the – the, the, look at his numbers – Look at it, if people that like him or not, look at his regular season numbers versus playoff numbers. That's when you find out something about a player. They all go up. Rebounds, points, assists, blocks, steals. A lot of players, Jim, in the regular season, they get numbers. When it comes to the postseason, they decline. And he's kind of the antithesis of that. So the thing is, Bob, since you and I have a really good relationship and we're always real, real with each other, I'm going to keep it real with you. I don't like Draymond. Dude, dude, I love Draymond. I love Draymond. You're preaching to the choir here. I love this guy. I think he's all those things. And yeah, he's going to rub you the wrong way on occasion. That's part of what makes him so great. I love Draymond, and I'm going to put my name to it, and I'm not going to apologize for it. You mentioned the numbers in the postseason. Bob, when you look at guys who are great in the regular season and guys who are great in the playoffs, what is the difference in your mind? Is it talent or is it mental and psychological makeup? Is that the difference? It's kind of both. I mean, I thought about that too. I don't think the listeners, I mean, the mental pressure has never been greater because how much we scrutinize these guys. There's so many media outlets now. There's so much uh, analytics. There's so many ways to look at a player's productivity, to criticize it, but also to praise it, to be fair. And there's more eyeballs on it and there's more people watching it and there's more people able to weigh in on it. I mean, if I was a player, I couldn't be on Twitter. Like, personally, I wouldn't be strong enough to do it. 
it's harsh out there and, and people come at these guys and it's a tough, it's a tough way to go. Now, look, they're rich and they're playing a game. So nobody feels that bad for them, but they're still human beings. But yeah, I mean, look, those, these guys, Draymond, especially, and I love, I love, I love what you said. Cause I, I love the guy too. And he, and if you watch him in the playoffs, he's literally, um, he defines what, what our team emblem is. He is a warrior out there. It's the best way to characterize him. And, I had a guy last night, one of our assistant GM, Mike Dunleavy, said, he said, man, Draymond. And I said, he said, this dude, he was just kind of marveling at what Draymond's done the last two, three weeks. And I said, I've been in the locker room with this guy. Obviously, we went to the finals five years. And I said, you look in the lot, you walk in, as a GM or a coach, you walk in the locker room and you look around the room and you look at your team and you look at, what you think you can be. Are you better than the opponent? Do you think you're going to win? Do you think you're going to lose? It's halftime against Houston in the Western Conference Finals. You're down 10. You look at your locker room. Are we going to break? Are we going to bend? Are we going to overcome this? And you always, your eyes always stop on Draymond, and you go, but we got that guy. And I understand we had, we had Steph and Clay, all these guys, and Durant, too. But don't discount the value of someone in your locker room that, that wants to win so bad. And the, the guy that reminds me of is, a, is a kind of a Kevin Garnett mindset or a Ray Lewis as a football player. Like, they lead. That's his skill. He leads. So, yeah, I man, he's done a great job in the playoffs and in the last few weeks. That is such a good response. So, Bob, i got about 90 seconds. What does your gut tell you about tonight's game? How do you see it playing out? What do you think is going to happen? Man, they're good. They're good, Jim. They're um. They're big and they're physical, and they're the number one defense in the league. So, and they're the defending champs, and, and they got they got some really they're the two best players or some two of the best players in the NBA. Um, but we're playing the, we're playing as as good as we have all year, and we believe we can do it. And um, it's going to be a great game. I, I think, unfortunately, or fortunately, it's probably going to come down to who plays the better game themselves. Um, you know, who play, who's the best version of themselves. But it's going to be a challenge. It's it's uh, it, it's it's going to be fun. Um, I wish I wish I knew. I wish I could tell you like this is going to happen. But I am excited for this game as a basketball fan. These are some really good players and great competitors. People are going to watch tonight. Um, really good coaches. Really good histories. There's this, there's the Steph Lebron thing that people want to people want to focus on that. But it's um, I'm just excited for a really good game. The longer I've been in this gym, the more I just appreciate high-level competition, and that's what this is going to be. I think that's so well said. The longer you're in it, the more you appreciate it, and it's going to be awesome. I absolutely cannot wait for the matchup tonight. It's going to be great. And I want to say for your, for your purposes, Bob, that's about as good a conversation as you and I could possibly have. I really appreciate you, the relationship, and the fact that you made time to come on before that game. Bob, good luck tonight. Hope we can do it again soon. And I want to reiterate, I do appreciate you very much, Bob. Thank you. Hey, man, anytime, Jim. Thanks for having me. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Of course. This time, change up. Do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Instead, reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is also a family-owned business that takes smoked beef very seriously. And you can taste it in every single bite. 
Like, who wants dried, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal. It comes in four amazing flavors. Old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper or What's Your Beef. When I talked about the Urminator going legend off La Tortuga yesterday, I thought that'd be a one-off. Like, no reason for that to really jump the day because it was an awesome, awesome moment. And the only ones who didn't think so were a few butthurt old fools holding on to baseballs, unwritten rules, and sacred code. Trust this. The Urminator raking off La Tortuga was one of the very best things that has happened in the baseball season. That's not a take. That's not an opinion. That's a fact. If you think otherwise, you're just wrong. Uh, really, Rome? We're wrong because you said so? Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. You're wrong. Because what's not to like about a refrigerator with arms going up against another refrigerator with arms who also happens to be a catcher and a utility dude and hitting it about 900 feet off that guy late in a blowout? I mean, great bleeping stuff. And pretty much everyone who was anyone thought so. Or at least I thought that was the case. But I was wrong. Never underestimate the red assness of baseball. And the ability of those same red asses to embarrass themselves and the game. Just to reset the stage. This is what happened in the ninth inning of the White Sox and Twins on Monday night. High center field. Going back is Ref Snyder still going back, and he has given up a home run to Yermin Mercedes on a 3-0 pitch. Does it matter? He swung away on 3-0. Uh, I don't, I don't like it now. I mean, at 15 to four, I, you know, I don't like it. You're gonna, you're gonna get the same pitch after this. I, I don't like it. But 47 miles per hour. Come on, man! What an awesome moment. The only thing disrespectful and embarrassing about that was the fact that the Twins announcers did nothing to hide their butt-hurtedness. But there are a couple of homers, so you'd expect that, paid by the team. What you would not expect, however, was anybody else to have a problem with it because, once again, who has a problem with awesome? Turns out they were not the only ones, though, who took offense to the Urminators Act. Somebody else who actually matters, called it, quote, a big mistake, and then started to vomit out nonsense like this, quote, the fact that he's a rookie and excited helps explain why he just was clueless, but now he's got a clue, end of quote. Man, who would say something that moronic? Got to be a troll. Has to be an anonymous egg on Twitter, because nobody who matters would ever spew that garbage. <clears throat> Someone who does matter did puke all that up. And that someone is Tony LaRussa. Tony freaking LaRussa. T-F-L-R. You know, you're means own manager. It turns out the Twins announcers didn't even have the worst take on this. Far from it. No, that honor belongs to the Urminator's own manager. You want to talk about a bad take. You want to talk about a dude who's totally out of touch. You want to talk about a guy who just doesn't get it. Then just listen to this guy. 
Again, this is a manager lighting up his own player after that player just hit one about 900 feet. One thing to have a really bad take. Quite another to run it out there and run your own legend under the team bus. Notice he's not saying, you know what? It's not the best decision. He and I spoke about it afterwards, but I'm going to leave that between the two of us. Nope, nope. Larusa ran to the highest rooftop or mountaintop that he could find and wanted to make sure that every last person knows how old and clueless he is and that there's a right way and a wrong way and that his own player has it all wrong. Big mistake. The fact that he's a rookie and excited helps explain why he just was clueless. But now he's got a clue. And just in case you can't see just how red this guy's ass is, he chased that statement with this. I took several steps from the dugout onto the field yelling, take, take, take. Because just the way he was set up, I, I looked to me like he was going to swing. And the whole time he's around the bases, I'm out there and I'm, you know, I was upset because that's not a time to swing 3-0. and I know the Twins knew that I was upset, but he, he missed a 3-0 and hit sign. I, that kind of lead, that's just, it's not over. That's just sportsmanship, respect for the game, respect for your opponent. I, I literally cannot believe what I'm hearing. This guy's like, I saw the way he was set up. So I'm running out onto the field practically. Take, take, take. You know why he was set up like that? Because he was facing the other team's catcher and utility man. Dude, you're literally worse than the Twins announcers. And I thought they had the dumbest take of all time. If you're upset that he missed a sign, that's one thing. But if that sign was put in because of, quote, sportsmanship and respect for your opponent, man, you can keep moving with that bullcrap. I can't believe I have to explain this again, much less to people in the game. The Twins moved their catcher to the pitcher's mound. It used to be weird and funky and cool when a position player would pitch. Teams do it all the time now. It's on the regular. It's a joke. If a team does that now, they get whatever is coming to them. Because as much as I love La Tortuga, it's not like we're talking about a guy with a ton of chops on the mound. My man's up there soft-tossing everything. So if the Urminator crushes one of those, the Twins can go ahead and wear it. The hell did you think was going to happen? My kid plays JV high school baseball on a team that's like 1-11, and and he's got better stuff and velo than La Tortuga. No offense, Tugs. You're my dude, but it's true. And if you can't deal with a guy swinging the bat against your catcher, then put an actual pitcher on the mound or forfeit the game. It's that simple. But again, incredibly, as much of a problem as the Twins may have had with it, for some reason, it seems to bother La Russa even more. He's not having it, and he's going to make sure that Yerms and everybody else knows it too. He made a mistake. So, you know, there'll be a consequence that he has to uh, endure here within our family. This is like the weirdest thing I've ever seen. He has to endure a consequence within our family for hitting a home run in a blowout off a catcher. A consequence. What the hell does that even mean? Are you going to take his phone away from him? Are you going to ban him from playing Fortnite, Dad? The only good thing about this whole thing is that Yermin himself is not apologizing for it. I'm always doing German. 
for that reason, I'm out right here right now. For that reason, y'all guys talk with me right now. So if I'm not dreaming, if I'm not doing, I'm not doing that. Nobody wants to talk with me. Nobody wants to know what I'm doing. Just keep grinding and keep doing that. Hell yes, man. Like I said, legend. This dude is the hero we all need. Going third person generally is a pretty risky move, but that was the perfect move right there. And doing it a second time is even better. Like just when I thought that I couldn't love and respect this dude any more than I already did, this guy essentially just went. Even after his manager tried to blow him up and lay him out, he essentially just went Conor McGregor. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f he wants. Right. The double champ does what the bleep he wants, and Yermin does Yermin. He's right. That is why he is where he is. That is why we're talking about this guy. He's right. This is why they love him in Chicago, because of things like that. And now the rest of the country is learning and getting dialed into this guy. That is why you are where you are. That is why they love you in Chicago. Man, everybody's waking up to it, except for old man TLR. Man, he just would not let it go. I don't want to ever give the other team an excuse to take a shot at one of our players. We were taught from day one, respect the game, respect the competition, respect your opponent. Hurdy says something like, I play my game, but no, he doesn't. He plays the game of Major League Baseball that respects the game, respects the opponents, and that was not. And he's got to respect the signs. Man, that is rich. That is so rich. That's like Warren Buffett rich. This guy's saying you've got to respect the game and you've got to respect the signs. That guy. That guy. Given his history, both on the field and in a car, that guy's saying somebody else needs to respect the game and respect signs. I mean, come on, man. Really? Anyway, all of that went down before the game. Then in the game actually itself, it took place in the seventh inning, the legend the Urminator steps in to face Twins reliever Tyler Duffy, and this happened. Yeah, no, really that's oh, see, now, he threw it, Mercedes. That, look, that's from last night. Duffy threw it, your mean Mercedes. The umpires are going to come in and talk it over. We had so a feeling bush. this might happen. So bush. Like, the Twins are a good organization that's having a rough year, but that is so bush. You're throwing behind a guy because he homered off your catcher who was lobbing 40 mile per hour pus at him at the plate. I mean, I would say that's a red ass move, but it's not even that. That's not policing your own. Man, that's weak. That's embarrassing. Nobody showed you up. Nobody disrespected you. The only disrespect here was having your catcher take the bump and put that pus on a tee for your mean. I mean, dude was all but sitting off to the side on a bucket five feet away, tossing, soft-tossing wiffle balls to the guy. So you lost 16-4 to four instead of 15-4. to four. I mean, Get the hell over it. Eric Neander is my guest. Eric, it's good to have you back on. How are you? Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. Doing, doing better than five days ago. It's nice to win some games here. Yeah, I hear you. In fact, the team has won five straight, and now you're a game out of first. So what's the vibe like around the team and the organization overall right now? How does it feel now? Um, it, it got some offense. Uh, scoring runs, winning games, everybody feels a little bit better. But I think we, we've been fortunate to have a nice mix of players and staff here that have allowed us to maintain some consistency through just the ebbs and flows of the games. But um, we'd be kidding ourselves if it's not a little more fun when you've uh, when you've 
racked up some wins. You bet. And in terms of offense, Eric, the fact is the team is averaging nearly nine runs per game during this streak, which is a big jump from the 3.2 runs per game in the previous 19 games. What's been the biggest difference between those 19 and this current run? What changed? It's a really, it's a great question. Uh, if we <laughs> if we had a good answer, we would we'd avoid some of the stretches that uh, we don't we're not too proud of. But uh, yeah, I, I think really just you know putting in the work, you know, trying to for for each player to to maintain a sound process and what they do before the games and how they carry themselves day to day, and just trusting that you know putting in the work, trying to put in the right work. Um, making some adjustments, working with our staff, keeping every, uh, everybody upbeat, that eventually things are going to turn. We've seen it time and time with this game, not just with our players, but just the history of the game. So just staying at it. And, you know, once a few balls find space, you know, a few drop in, then I think it kind of lets everybody exhale and you can go up there having a little more fun and not squeezing the bat too tight. And all that can you know snowball a little bit too. I think that makes sense. Eric Neander is my guest. You know, when you lay it out like that, I think about what Brett Phillips had to say. He had one of the five home runs that you guys hit last night. He said after the game, quote, hitting's contagious as we saw tonight. I'm curious. I mean, it feels that way, right? But when you're looking at it from an analytical standpoint and a front office standpoint, is it actually is hitting contagious? Can you quantify that? It, it it's a great it's a great question. It's something we spend a lot of time talking about. I think you know pressure is real, stress is real, and uh, when when you feel like you're in a lineup and there's guys around you that that are you know putting balls in play, hitting balls hard, getting results, it certainly takes a little bit of that pressure and stress off of you when you step to the plate, um, not feeling like you have to do quite so much. And I think. You know, in that sense, believe it very much uh, is is a factor and is a benefit when when you got guys around you that are that are doing your job. You don't feel quite the need to do as much yourself, and that can that can certainly play to a player's benefit. We're talking Rays baseball. Eric Neander is my guest. So Eric Randy Rosarena was so amazing. Obviously, in the postseason last year, he had a hit, a walk, and a pair of runs scored last night. What do you make of what he did last year in the playoffs, and what do you make of his start to this season? <laughs> still, still trying to wrap our minds around just everything that that he did last year i mean just a a, a historic run and i i don't think that's any sort of exaggeration by by any means and exceeded any of our wildest expectations and i think for us with with randy you know as as he progresses through his major league career here is, is just keeping in mind how little he had underneath of him before he accomplished what he did last year and you know, we're still getting to know him. The league's still getting to know him. He's getting to to learn the league, and um, as as physically gifted as as they come, as talented as they come, and just trying to let him go out there day to day, and and not try to live up to that that run he did last year. Because I don't know if there's a player in the history of the game that that has been able to sustain that type of pace, and just making sure he doesn't put that pressure on himself, and and just going out there, continuing to do his work, and. We've been pleased with all we've seen on and off the field so far with him. It truly was an amazing thing to witness last year, even from afar. So then coming into this season, there were some changes to the rotation. You had the departures of Blake Snell and Charlie Morton. I think, Eric, most teams or a lot of teams might lose talent like that and then view the following season as a transition year. But is that how you're approaching it? Yeah, I think it's difficult difficult decisions without without question. But, you know, believe our our best chance to to be competitive and ultimately to one day win a world series um is to to be in a position to compete in as many years as possible and sometimes that means making a move that you know runs the risk of potentially taking a step back in the year to come to take two steps forward over the next several years but you know that's that's kind of been 
a part of our philosophy here over time. We're proud of the games that we've won over, you know, in the, the Rays era, so to speak. We've been fortunate to win a lot of games, reach a couple of World Series. And if we keep knocking on that door year in, year out, then we feel like eventually we're going to find a way to break through and, and be on the right side of it. Um, and, you know, fell a little short last year, but uh, just got to continue with that next man up mentality, try to try to go after the right guys, develop the right players, and um, hope that uh, our staff and our players uh, let us all look a little bit better for doing so. Eric Neander joining us. I'm glad you brought that up because when you talk about going after guys, evaluating guys, getting the right kind of talent in there, I'm curious, when you go about evaluating players, obviously you evaluate for talent, but then when I look at some of the wins in the postseason, beating the Yankees in Game 5, the Game 7 win after dropping three straight, the Brett Phillips walk-off, in game four of the World Series, I mean, they feel like character wins to me. So how do you evaluate and scout character and mental toughness? Yeah, um, you spend a lot of time with, with people that have been, been close to players throughout their journey. You know, almost every player at one point in their career or another has faced adversity and having a really good sense from the people that were around them at those times, how they respond to it, you know, when, when things aren't going as well, um, that's that's a big part of it. How much they enjoy playing the game, you know. This is this at this stage ultimately becomes, you know, there there is a business component to it certainly, and that's recognized. But you know, who loves the game? Who loves to play? Who loves being around teammates and enjoys everything that that comes with doing this day in day out for you know seven eight months from start to finish? And uh, that's that's a big deal for us. And and like I said, we're, we're fortunate right now to, to have a staff um, that I think really helps us to develop that culture and enhance it. And players really carry it. And we have a lot of players that just love to play the game, love to compete, love to have fun. And um, I think demonstrate a lot of uh, what's what's great about this game. Like, Eric, can you get to that level if you don't love the game? And even if you can, can you stay at that level without loving the game? I think it's harder. It's uh, <laughs> better. You know, there's there's certainly benefits to the career if you could make it, no matter how you make it. But um, it it comes with a lot of stress. It comes with a lot of demands. You know, and 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 now more than ever, this is a 365 day a year craft. You got to put everything you have into it during the season. And you know, the off season is spent. You know, these guys are getting bigger, stronger, faster, doing everything they can to eat better, sleep better, do everything that they can to to compete and. I think it's hard to do that and to maximize your abilities unless you're you're all in on on doing so. So I, you know, it's, um, I haven't lived it. And I can't speak for it firsthand, but I do think you know the more you love it, the more you're invested in it, the better off you're going to be when it comes to your career and all that comes with it. We're talking to Eric Neander. You know, when you're obviously looking forward to this season, but you came so close last year. You had such an amazing run, such a great year. I'm curious, although you're looking forward, if I were to ask you to look back, what kind of thoughts do you have? I mean, do you feel like, yeah, of course we wanted to win it all, but we came close and therefore it was a really successful year? Or do you come out of that year feeling something a little bit different than that? Yeah, it's, it's a little of both. I, I think, you know, it's it's important, you know, for us I think as an organization and for all the work that goes into this, I there's a lot to be proud of uh, with respect to the season that we just had. And I think that needs to be appreciated. I think it needs to be recognized. And I believe that, that we're able to, to do all of that um, while also um, recognizing all the same that we fell short of our, of our ultimate goal. And, you know, there, there's a sting to that. You know, there's so much invested, you know, not just this past year, but in the many years that lead up to a moment like that by players, by staff alike, that, it's tough when you get that close, but it's tough because of how much you put into it, how much you care, and you know it's it is what it is. Only one team is victorious. Uh, we were we were the runner up last year, and 
we're going to keep going after it um, to try to, to make that last step there. But um, yeah, like I said, we're proud of it, but we also recognize fully that uh, it's not, it's not the ultimate goal and we got to find a way to get there. So Eric, I wonder, like, do you look back and wonder, do you look back and second guess anything? Do you look back on the situation with Blake Snell in game six and say, you know what? That did not work out. Maybe we should not have done that. Or do you say, no, wait a minute, this is who we are. This is what we do. And it simply didn't go our way. Yeah, I, I think from my perspective, you know, specifically, um, try to try to keep enough distance and to zoom out far enough to see if there's a consistency with with how we go about our business day in day out, and try not to to get too deep in the weeds of any particular decision at bat, pitch, whatever. You know, usually, you know, there's certainly moments, and the Blake Snell decision being one of them that are that are magnified and, and understandably. So, um, but I also think that particular decision was one that was largely consistent with how Kevin's managed this club the last couple of years, and and he's had a lot of success in tight games with that approach. So, uh, yeah, there's there's always stuff you look back and you wish you could have done differently, or the ball could have bounced a different way. But um, I think for us, it's it's always about learning, always about getting better. We recognize there's things, be it a personnel decision, be it an in-game decision, be it you know, a mental decision on the field by a player that, that we can grow from and, and mistakes help you grow, you know, and, and just reviewing decisions, gathering that feedback, having a culture where we can be secure enough to do that. That's just going to help us get better the next time around. And there's nothing we can do to change the past. We just have to keep going at it and doing what we can to learn as much as we can from our previous experiences. I appreciate that response actually very much. Let me ask you about one more guy, Eric, before I cut you loose. Wander Franco sure. is generating a ton of hype and a lot of buzz on what he's done in the minors. He's hitting 340 in AAA right now. It's his first season above A ball. I know you're not going to rush somebody up to the majors. So what signs do you look for in a young player like that who lets you know it is time and they are ready? Yeah, I think you know one of the big things with and, and we're, we're lucky to have a few players at AAA right now uh, that that um, are performing really well. He's certainly one of them, and and one comes with the most attention, and understandably so, given given his talents and what he's done. But you know, you're talking about in the case of Wander, someone that's 20 years old, and the box scores and how they fill them up is one thing, and obviously a really important component. Um, but you know, this is. He and others, they haven't played a game in nearly 600 days, you know, and, and just giving them the opportunity to settle in to, to make sure that they have routines in place, how they go about their business, you know, going back to what we said earlier, that love of the game, the prep, you know, the success that's on the field is driven so much by the processes and the care and the, you know, that you have for your craft behind the scenes. And, and you want these players not to just come up and go. You want to make sure there's a good support system in place that, they recognize the importance of the time that's spent away from the field, you know, and how they make the most of that. And that's all part of the maturation process. And, and some of that can happen at AAA. Some of it has to happen at the big leagues. But, you know, those are, those are all things where, you know, we monitor and we keep an eye on. And, and more than anything, like I said, they've, you know, 600 days between games that, that count for a lot of these young men that, you know, want to let them settle in a little bit. And it's, it's been two weeks. It's been an encouraging two weeks for him and for some others. And, you know, it's been two opponents too, you know, and just let them see how this continues to play out. And, um, you know, hopefully they continue to do what they're doing and these decisions become easier. It's kind of hard to fathom, right? I and mean, that's a long, long time between games, yeah. 600 days. Senior VP of Baseball Ops and the general manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. Once again, he was the 2019 MLB Executive of the Year. Rays playing good ball right now. Their game out of first in the East. Eric, great to get caught up. Really appreciate the conversation. Thank you very much. Let's do it again soon. All right. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate you having me on. I'm going to roll James Kelly and his gigantic dome in for a midweek version of 
BHB. You're doubling up head this week. How you feeling? Man, two-day work week, Jim. A little overwhelmed, but I'm going to try to do it here. <laughs> that a boy. Way to, way to man up. Man up, yep. Man's game. Big head. <laughs> All right, so as good as your NFL numbers were, and they were really, really good. Like, I'd put your NFL numbers up, and we can document this sort of thing. They'd go up against some of the very best who do it professionally in the business. Having said that, your NBA numbers are even better than your NFL numbers. So let's see what we can do about making some dough tonight, starting with the Lakers and Golden State. You just heard Bob Myers and what he said about the matchup. Let's get into it. Steph has been next-level Steph. He wins the scoring title. He's playing arguably some of his best ball ever, but as you know, Head, the Lakers are the best defensive team in the league. They held him to 23 per game, but one last thought that I'd make or share, just because he didn't get 30 on them during the year doesn't mean he won't drop 50 on them tonight. Bottom line, you can have the Warriors plus five if you want them, Head. The question is, do you want them? No, no, I don't, Jim, and I'm saying that while being well aware of how they've been playing against the spread lately. Golden State has been on fire. They are 6-0 and in their past six games against the spread, but overall this season on the road, they haven't been. They're actually tied with the Bucks as the second-worst road cover in the NBA, so I'm going to take L.A. minus the five points. Now, the Lakers have not been a good home cover, but the regular season stats for L.A. can be thrown out. Their injuries and them not prioritizing the regular season is why the Lakers will attack the rack and dominate the glass tonight, Jim. The Warriors might have some dogs inside like Draymond, but not enough bite for this L.A. team. You know, you know, you mentioned the defense. It's fantastic all around for L.A., but the, they defend the three ball great. And Steph will need to at least double his five threes a game to have a chance for a Golden State. And also that Andrew Wiggins or Jordan Poole, they have to score over 20 points each to keep this competitive, but I just don't see it. L.A. is way too much for them, and I still think at worst, at worst, L.A. makes it to the conference finals. And tonight, unless uh, Dre maybe punches LeBron in the nuts again, I'm riding with Laker Jim and laying the five points here. All right, first of all, there is no such person as Laker Jim. <laughs> and I like part of your analysis is if Draymond, who's already got three rings, punches LeBron in the nuts, then maybe he'll win. I don't know why that didn't come up when I was talking to Bob Myers. But all right, Ed, the only thing better than having these two in the playing game is having the loser winning their game after the fact and then both of them still getting into the main draw. So if you're right about the Lakers and they mm-hmm. win, do you think that Golden State still gets in or does Draymond have to punch somebody else in the, in the sack for that yeah, to No happen? sack punching here, Jim. I think they beat the winner of Memphis uh, v. San Antonio without that. Golden State at home, they are 25-11, and 11, I think, this season. Much better team at home than on the road. Now, having said that, Memphis and the Spurs are actually better road teams than home teams, but I still think Steph and Dre win here. So I would take Steph All right, Golden State. So yep. for the playing game, though, it's the Lakers minus five. You like that. So what about this other matchup? Memphis-San Antonio, not quite as sexy. The Spurs are limping in. Right. Memphis is playing well. There's a lot to like about them in the matchup, but do you like them enough to lay the four points that the Spurs are getting? I struggled with this game, and not quite sexy is right here. This is like a mid-90s throwback game here. you got Memphis, who has the highest percentage of points in the paint in the entire NBA against the Spurs, who hit the highest percentage of mid-range points all year. Now, I was leaning with Pop in an NCAA tournament-style game here in San Antonio's NBA best 63% cover rate on the road, but I'm flipping here, and I'm going with Memphis. I'll lay the four. 
the Spurs are limping into the game, this game like Ike's Bobcats or Hornets or whatever their name is. I mean, they're playing mm. about that good of basketball right now. But Memphis, Jonas Valanciunas. I see I got that right, clones. Yeah. Wins so, rock. Yeah, we'll try and say Battlehawks, tough guy. <laughs> he's big, he's physical, and I think he will dominate down low tonight. The offensive glass will be key for Memphis. And that's where it will be decided, I think. I also would have leaned on San Antonio had they been just a touch more consistent with their three-point shot. When they do hit them, like they did against Milwaukee, they roll, but they just normally don't. I'm playing the percentages here, and I'm taking, I'm taking Memphis minus four at home, Jim. Yeah, Manu ain't walking through that door. No. Nor is Tony Parker. <laughs> so Memphis minus four at home, a crack back on Ike, which you wedged in there somehow, some way. Mm. Is there anything? Well, let me ask you this. Now that we're on to the postseason, does that mean you can stop texting me every time a star does not play or start in a game now that we're on to the postseason? Probably not in the first round. Come second, third round, finals, yeah, we should be good here. But the first round, it's going to be difficult this year. Usually, like historically, I'm like, man, there's the biggest difference in the NBA between the regular season and the postseason because you see the best in the postseason that first round. But I, I don't think you're going to see it this year because I think there's such teams that are way better than their opponents. So you'll get the text messages probably for the next week and a half. But after that, I'll lay off. Here. Yeah, actually, I won't, dude. You're already on the junk file. You go right <laughs> to junk. I never see any of them, and I haven't for weeks. I'm just asking, are you still sending them? I don't see them. All right, so recap it quickly. It's a Wednesday. I appreciate you manning up. I know there's a lot of pressure. I need to work two days this week. But you've got the Lakers minus five, right? Lakers minus five and Memphis minus four. Both home teams. Both home favorites here. All right, this does not mean you're clear for the week, dude. I expect to see you on Friday. Ugh, I expect okay. I expect you to get us paid tonight, and I expect to see you on Friday, all right? I'll be here. All good. right. Anything else, Head? Are we good? Hey, oh, we're good. Okay, man. Thank you very much. Thanks, the big Jim. head. Put it up on Twitter, Head. Put it up on Twitter so I can retweet it. CJ in the Bay. CJ, what's cracking? 818 Jimbo. <laughs> Myself and Bob Myers. 925 for life. Quick update. Giants. Still have the best record in the show. Three recent full rings, real rings. Scoreboard, look up at it, Doyer fan. Tonight, the Bay God Steph gets a free shot at the other Los Angeles half champ. Although the Lakers' half trophy is more than the dumpster fire Buffalo has ever earned. Buffalo is full of losers who rely on the local food bank and unemployment benefits. Priorities, clones. Buffalo doesn't have time for sports. Hello? Hella dirty, hella crime, hella fat, ugly women. But I digress. NBA playoffs jumping off means one thing, more crying, more bitching, more losing from CP3, more flopping, more choking, more excuses from James Harden, more fake tough guy, fake superstar, fake passion from Russ Westbrook. And the hate is not a sign of respect. It's the masses actually hating your personalities and playing styles. Warm me Venmoing $100 to the first student who drops a training bra on Mr. Silkinson at Bancroft Middle. It's Still not a dynasty, clones. You ready, Albie? Sports, brah. Training, brah. Silk man's ear. Man's game. Rock him. That's how you cement that ticket. Good night, 